Hello, and welcome to HGTV Obsessed, your podcast for all things HGTV. Today, we have a very special episode in honor of LGBTQ Pride Month. We're spotlighting one of HGTV's most loved and colorful people, David Bromstead. David is joining us to talk about what pride, visibility, and representation mean to him, and he shares meaningful advice for those who are struggling to express themselves authentically. I'm your host, Mary in Canada, executive producer and HGTV.com lifestyle expert, and I can't wait for you to hear this important conversation. I do want to give a quick content warning from Minute Mark 2511 to 2524. There is a brief mention of suicidal ideation. Here's my chat with David Bromstead. All right. Hi, David. Hi. Oh, my gosh. We are so excited to have you here as our guest today. Yay! HGTV obsessed. Who isn't? Who isn't, right? And really, I can't think of a better person to talk all about embracing and celebrating your authentic self, both on and off camera. I think that if anyone knows you, even without words, just just at first glance, you're such a fun and colorful person. And so I really want to kick things off. I want to know, have you always been like this? Like when you were a little kid, were you just like drenched in color or did was it something you grew into? Um, I th- a little bit of both. I think authentically, I was drenched in color. I was always loud and you know, a little crazy, but I was also, you know, I grew up in the eighties and I was also made fun of a lot. So I was bullied. And so my authentic self was there when I was around my friends, like my close family friends. But when it came to like my school friends, I was very pushed down. So I was there. I knew I was there and I hated school because of it, because I I could never be my authentic self. But yeah, I was always like this. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something, unfortunately, that kids still deal with today. It's hard to be different in any way, especially in school. Is there any advice you would give to kids who are struggling maybe with showing their authentic self and and sharing who they really are at school? Well, you know, it's so hard because all you want to do is be yourself and you just want to find people that are going to honor that. And that's the hard part is finding those friends who want to be that authentic self. And back in the 80s and the 90s, it was tough because being gay was not, it was not good. It was not a thing. It was not trendy. It was not cool. Kids now, when you tell someone they're gay, they're like, cool, that's awesome. You know, and it's it's such a different environment. So I just, my advice is just to never make yourself less than. If you want to be the gayest thing ever, if you want to dress in the weirdest things, the most fabulous things ever, then just do it. I found that voice, that dressing voice, literally on lottery, you know, and that's the last six years. I always express myself. I've always been myself, but now to express myself through fashion has been, it's a new thing for me. I've always been weird with fashion. Like even when I was bullied in like high school, I would still go to the thrift shop. People are like, what the hell are you wearing? I go, it's so new right now. It's a big fashion designer. (laughs) I love that. You were like, it's so avant-garde. You just haven't heard of it yet. (laughs) You'll get by. You'll get, you'll get behind it. But I always was like that. I didn't have a lot of money. And so I went to thrift stores and I bought like old stuff and I just kind of made it my own. And I always walked into a place like I owned it, but inside I did not. You know, outside, I was like, yes, 
outside or inside, I was like, oh God, what am I doing? <laughs> and now, I mean, you do, you seem so self-assured in both yourself and your work. Where did you find that confidence? Because I feel like you were really thrown into being on television with the first season of Design Star, which you won. I'm towing the line here. I'm assuming everyone listening knows and loves. How do you not know who David Bromstead is? But I want to give them enough background information. You competed in and won that first season of Design Star. And you did. You seemed so confident. What was that like? What was that journey like to 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 be completely yourself on TV? So that's an interesting question because when I went in, I knew it was an interior design competition. I am an artist. I have never done interior design until I got onto that show. I was fabricating kids' furniture like for model homes. So it was just basically props. I was basically kind of like a movie set person for like Model homes is crazy. I was faking it there. I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And then people are coming in who've had businesses and big personalities and have master's degree in architecture and interior design. I'm like, why? I'm like, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And it's funny because I didn't know if I was going to be gay because back then it was still not a great thing it was still it was just a little you know this 15 years ago the market was like oh my gosh if you're gay then you are so stereotyped into the hyper feminine and and that typical typical gay person that was before and i was like i don't know i don't know what i'm gonna do and the first day we were all met each other and we were put on ice and we're allowed to talk off camera and, or no, we're actually talking on camera. And Temple, who was one of the contestants, she was from Salt Lake City and she was Miss Utah. And she goes like, oh my God, are you gay? And my process back then was, if you have enough balls to ask, then you have a right to have the answer. I'm like, yes. And right then I was like, okay, I'm not playing it straight. I'm playing it me. And that was so liberating. Usually TV will either break you or make you. And that made me because I was now being my authentic self and being celebrated by the network by being that person. And that was the start of everything. TV was the start of everything for me. It really was. Yeah. Well, and I mean, clearly it worked for you to be to be one of the few people on that season who was not an experienced interior designer. And, and you won because people fell in love with you. And I do love that. And I can't imagine what a sad outcome it would have been if you had kept, you know, that light under the proverbial bushel, so to speak. What would life be like for me right now? Like, I don't think I would have stayed in very long, especially with today's delicious climate of like everyone just celebrating who they are. But I don't think on what could have been. I'm just so happy that I made that decision in that second, like within Mm -hmm. 10 minutes of filming. I'm like, I'm going to be gay and I'm going to be okay. And I'm not going to be just okay. I'm going to thrive. You're like, this is me. Take it or leave it. And luckily, we took it and took it and took it. Since winning Design Star, I mean, that was truly just the beginning. You've had several shows. You were just on, most recently on Rock the Block with one of my favorite people on the planet, Tiffany Brooks. And fellow Design Star winner. I know. You guys were the dream team. Your colorful, daring designs really stood out. I thought that house was by far the most fun house on that block. Well, I absolutely agree. Did it stay to the brief? No, we did not stay (laughs) to the brief because I knew that everyone was going to be decorated in beiges and grays and whites and creams and blacks and that. And I was like, I'm not (laughs) doing that. And Tiffany and I both decided like, 
because we were both like we're highly competitive obviously so yes. we're like researching like where it was and then we're going to do like comparables to all the houses around and what are they using as far as things and we i like this i go tiffany no i go this is our time to like just say whatever and just add in color and print mm-hmm. and pattern and texture and just be weird i go let's just be weird can we please and she went like this let's be weird david I'm like, great, let's do it. (laughs) I love it. It was so fun. I loved all of the wallpaper. I loved the changes you made to the floor plan. I just thought it was the most fun. And in a lot of ways, like the most youthful, like the most millennial space. It was it was very fun to watch. You know, why is it important to you for for your true self to be reflected like in a space that you're designing that's that's representing you and your style? It's so important. It's like how many moments do we have in life where you can actually put your stamp on something? And I knew Rock the Block was going to be a once in a lifetime opportunity, kind of like Design Star, and I just was like, screw it. Like, there's no holding back. I knew we were not going to win. You know, Tiffany was like, no, I think we still can win. I'm like, (laughs) if we win one challenge, great. But you guys won. I think you won. You won two, didn't you? We won one. We just won one. And it's fine. And you know what? And that was great for us because that's what we needed. We needed just the one win just to solidify that we still had it. We still got what we got. But I wanted to... (laughs) I wanted everyone to really be happy when they walked through the house. Yeah. Well, it was a very happy making house. And in my eyes, you won You won too. I think I had it in my head that you won the kitchen because I just loved, I loved that kitchen. The kitchen was good, right? That's all yeah, Tiffany. Was- yeah. I picked the color. She did the layout. She's, she did all the layouts for the entire house and I did all the color basically. Well, that's why you guys worked so well together. But my real burning question is... About the pink tracksuit. One, I want to know. I want to know why why you wore the pink tracksuit in every episode. The people the people want to know. And two, I really just want to know where it's from because I want to be your shopping buddy. One, we had to wear the same outfit every single episode, and that was everybody. If you look at Nate and Jeremiah and every look at all the competitors, they wore the exact same outfit every single day we were there. That was. A requirement and I told I went to like the high high ups I go you do know my thing is fashion right I'm like that is how I express myself how are you gonna make me like and they're like you'll understand when we start filming and when I did understand why we wore that because we were not you know because when you're doing the kitchen we had to knock down walls to do this for the next episode so for us to go and change it would take hours away from actual production. For the first day, I knew I was like, now I see. But I picked the pink tracksuit because I wanted to say, this is me. I <laughs> want to be comfortable. And I'm in pink and white sneakers in a muddy environment. Praise the Lord. I loved it. I loved it. And I loved when Nate showed up in the same tracksuit. I do want to know. I still want to know where it's, where it's from. And then I really want to get more into your fashion. Right. So it's from Fashion Nova. Oh, fantastic. There you go, everybody. You can get your own matching pink tracksuit. They're all going to sell out. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break and then more with David Bromstead. You touched on this a little bit earlier, but you are, you're so expressive through your fashion choices. I think half the fun of watching my lottery dream home is seeing what you're going to wear. At least for me, that is half of why I watch. I love the stories. I love the people. I love, you know, all the different places you go, but I'm also like, Ooh, he's somewhere cold. He's going to wear an amazing coat or you know, like, 
But how much fun is that show? How much fun is it to dress yourself for that show and find homes for these people? Yeah, no, the show is amazing. And it took me a minute to really come out and fall in love with the show because I was like, okay, now I'm hosting a real estate show. I'm an artist. You know, this is like way off my beaten path. But at the moment, you know, design was dead on the network. And because that was just straight design. Designs never died, but just straight design. It was all, now it's renovation, real estate. And that's fantastic. So I was like, this is my only option. First, like three or four seasons, I was like, whatever. And then I started really falling in love with this. I was like, it's a really beautiful show. It's really easy to do. And now I get to express myself with fashion. And I was like, now, I mean, I've always been obsessed with clothes, always. But now it's gone to a point where it's it's really a problem. <laughs> yeah, what I really want to know is where do you keep it all? Okay, so funny thing is I just bought a house and I bought it because I was moving ready. And it's a beautiful home. But the closets are atrocious. So I'm adding on a main bedroom and I'm turning my main bedroom now, the one this right here, into Mm -hmm. the closet. Oh my God, honey. That's going to be like Oprah level. It better be because I don't even think it's going to house all my clothes because I have a guest bedroom full of just coats and sweaters. We're going to have to put that on our vision board to get a sneak peek when that is finished because I can't wait. I do want to congratulate you though on 10 seasons of My Lottery Dream Home. That is so impressive. It's it is such a fun show. What I love is the different kinds of people and there so many of them are just so sweet. I'm thinking of the first episode of of this new season which you can watch on HGTV and on Discovery Plus, the couple that was looking for the house on the Cape. I just was like, I don't know. I feel like they were my mom and dad. Like I I was right there with them. And I love it. And the Cape is one of my favorite places to shop. And we've been there a few times and it doesn't matter what time of year, whether it's in the fall or winter or spring or in the crazy time of the summer, it is one of the most easy, epic, yummy places to be visually and just emotionally. There's something really special about it. The energy there is just happy all the time. And speaking of happy in another episode, you get to help a couple find a home in your city of Orlando. And I just have to ask, like, what do you love about living there? I know that you're I know you're a big Disney fan. I know that that you have a, a lot of love for Disney animation. But you know, how do you end up in Orlando? So I grew up in Minnesota. And I went to college at Ringling College of Art and Design, which is down in Sarasota. And I specifically went there because I wanted to be a Disney animator. And they pulled specifically from three schools. And this was the one school I was like, okay, I like this one the most. It's Florida. It's warm. Yummy. (laughs) And uh, I got in. (laughs) And so that was my main goal. And I went to the school. I took an animation elective my first quarter. And I was like, oh my gosh. This was a dream that I've had for 10 years, ever since I was a little kid. I wanted to be a Disney animator. I wanted to be a Disney animator. And then I took an animation elective and I was like, oh my gosh, this sucks. This is so boring. I'm like drawing the same thing over and over and over and over again. I'm like, and that was hand-drawn animation. That's where I was. That's how old I am. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's coming. It's coming back. No, it's the look is coming back. Whether they're going to do it hand drawn is absolutely not even going to happen. It's not, it wasn't for me. I realized that my creativity was so far beyond just drawing something, but it got me into art school. It motivated me to be there. And the movie that did it was. The Little Mermaid. Oh my gosh, I was literally talking about The Little Mermaid this morning. Sometimes you just need to sing all the songs from The Little Mermaid. Something just happens to you. 
<laughs> if you're ever in a bad mood, put the movie on in the background while you're cleaning or doing laundry and you will just, yes. Yeah. You just gotta, you just gotta let it out. It's the Orlando is also known for having a really strong LGBTQ plus community, like a huge pride celebration every year. You know, did that play into your choice to settle there? Oh, so let me continue because I did not answer your oh. question whatsoever. <laughs> so the last to the answer, the last question is why I like Orlando. So I moved to Orlando to be to work for Disney, and I started working for Disney as a visual merchandiser. I was never a Disney illustrator, so I need to change that on Wikipedia. I don't know who put. <laughs> on there. I was there as a visual merchandiser for first six months. And my boss, who became one of my mentors, he was like, you're bored. I go, why do you say that? He goes, because you're drawing out planograms and where you just need to <laughs> click and point. I go, yeah, I'm bored. So he's like, okay, here's an option. So he found a space for me as an artist for Disney, like basically sanding sculpture. So any sculpture that you would see like outside or inside the Disney parks, I would be working on. I lost all my benefits. I lost everything there, but I got trained by Disney about how to be perfect because you don't go to Disney and you don't look at a sculpture and there's not one Nick, not one crack, not one anything. It's absolutely perfect. So that is where I got, all of my really basic training, which was incredible and so invaluable. Um, and I lived in Orlando for 10 years and it just was a large town at the time. And I was like, I'm going to move to Miami because the art scene's there. It's going to be more fabulous. I can express myself. It's just a little bit more. And I love going to South Beach. I mean, who doesn't? So I mean, really? Right. I mean, I was down there every other weekend anyway. Because <laughs> I had friends that had lived there. And then I moved down there and I lived there for 12 years. And I realized I, it's a really great place to visit. It just wasn't for me. Just the busy, it was too hustle and bustle. And I am a small town guy. I grew up in a town of 2,000 people. So I was like, I had the opportunity. I was like really thinking. I thought for about a year and a half before I made the move, I was like, I can move anywhere. Move back to Minnesota, be near family. I could move to New York or LA or Salt Lake City was a huge thing because the, I'd showed some houses there and it was like the property was like ridiculous. I was like, uh-huh. you get so much for your money. And I love skiing. It's one of my passions. So I was like, I could move back to Orlando. I could be near my parents because they live an hour away in the villages and have all of my friends that I had met there who have stayed friends with. So I moved back to uh-huh. Orlando and it is the most beautiful, wonderful city. It embraces the LGBTQ community like no other city ever. I mean, I've been, you know, lived in Miami, very gay, gay forward, Fort Lauderdale, same thing, so gay. San Francisco, the birth of gay, basically. But I never felt the community be more strong than I have here in Orlando. And unfortunately, I think it came from Pulse, the Pulse Massacre. Mm-hmm. And after that, the community, just everyone, the straight community, the, the people came together and just embraced us. And they love us being there. And they support us. And we have the most diverse LGBTQA community ever because it is incredible. People are safe here. They feel it. And that's why they congregate here. I love it so much. I will never move. That's wonderful. It is. It's like you went home, even though you're from Minnesota. When you moved back there, it really sounds like you you really came back home. It did. It was weird because I was like, oh, I'm going to move back. But then when I started like driving down streets, I haven't driven down in 10 or 15 years. And I was like, I feel like I just went back to my hometown. So special. That's so special. Well, this is our pride episode. And, you know, it's no accident that we 
uh, knew exactly who we wanted to have on. And I just would love to talk to you a, a little bit more about the way you celebrate pride, both during this month, obviously, but in your everyday life as well. Everyday life. I mean, I did get a tattoo that's a rainbow tattoo on my my body. <laughs> it's beautiful. And we've got that. We'll have that on HGTV.com uh, slash podcast if you have not spotted uh, the latest updates on David's tattoos. I have a rainbow dabbing a unicorn. I have just I, I celebrate it every single day because I'm in a position to help people understand that it's okay to be yourself and still be loved. What I've learned from this show is that even though I am being my crazy authentic self, and sometimes it does not work for people, what I'm seeing is that it's working for people. And I get so many messages like, I'm the straightest man ever. And me, my (laughs) wife, love your show. And we think you are the most authentic person ever. And they celebrate that. And I'm like, I'm doing my job correctly. You know, I'm just being who I am. I can't help it. I'm no actor. This is what you see on TV is exactly who I am in person. Super nice, a little sassy, you know, and I like to tease. I'm from the Midwest. We tease because we love. I tease my mom the most. Well, and I'm sure she loves it. You also, you just recently led a series of candid conversations with some LGBTQ talent from HGTV and Discovery Plus about what pride means to them. And you talked to some of my favorites, like Carmine Sabatella. You talked to the guys from um, Bargain Block in Detroit, Brian Balthazar and Lauren Roosh, who are friends of the podcast. Podcast, Patrick Richardson, Fernando Wong. I mean, you really, we got some heavy hitters in there. They're such special conversations because you got to hear everyone's individual experiences that all led to the same thing, which is celebrating themselves on camera in front of a huge audience. It wasn't always like this. What is that? I mean, you've been on for 15 years. What is it like witnessing the, the evolution and, and also working for a network that has always allowed you to be who you are. Yeah. And, you know, I, and that was the big thing. I didn't know if I knew that HGTV always had huge gay following always, but they didn't have any gay presence as talent. So I that's why I was nervous. Like, do I want to be this person? No one asked me, are you gay? You know, before I got on, you know, and they were just, I think they just assumed it because I'm super gay, in a way. Uh, which is amazing. And I love that about me when I won. I was not expecting such hugs and loves from the network. They embraced me being me. I mean, we were going to gay bars and they wanted me to do this. They were actually, this is this was my social thing. They're like, okay, we're going to go to this gay bar. And we're going to do this. And we're going to do that. And I'm like, uh, this is so weird, but I've never felt so accepted in my entire life. So it was, it's, uh, it's been incredible. And to hear all of these now, it's like, it's, it's seen the evolution. One, I've always been accepted and I've always been loved and celebrated. No one's ever asked me to do anything except wear a shirt <laughs> <laughs> and cover up my face tattoo. <laughs> That is the only thing HGTV has ever asked me to do. And they've never asked me to do anything else except be my authentic self. And now that we have more of a community presence on the network, I'm loving it. I'm loving hearing all the different stories. I'm loving sharing that. It feels like I have now a family within a family. And we can relate to each other because we're the only ones going through it. It's pretty amazing. It is. It is amazing. It's amazing to to witness and obviously, we've come a long way in general across across television, across media. We've come a long way in terms of representation, but there's still a lot of progress to be made. I think everyone can agree on that. 
what does the future of representation look like to you, you know, in an, in an ideal world? I mean, ideal world, it's just not even going to be a conversation. It's just going to be us, all of us as a yeah. community for the world. And that's, you know, we are a long way away from that, but we are so much farther along than when I first got into that work. I see so many great shows being at like RuPaul's Drag Race that are really informing the world on so much diversity, which is in the culture. And it's just wonderful and celebrated and sassy and delicious. So we do have a long way to go, but we are strides from where we were before. So time is going to be good to us. You know, we never go backwards. So we're always going to go forward. So, uh, and I'm always a positive thinker. So I think it's just going to get better and better and better. Well, that was like the perfect segue because I was going to ask you about your work with It Gets Better. Um, I saw the virtual Pride celebration you did for them last year. How rewarding do you find it to to work and to give a voice, I guess, and hope to this younger generation that's still figuring out what their voice is and who they are and how they can express that? Yeah, listen, it doesn't matter if, you know, as adults, we can say, yes, it's getting better. But as kids and growing up in different types of communities and households and beliefs and religions, it's still not okay, you know, in so many different aspects. And to be a voice and to be a beacon of light and a basically a rainbow of yumminess to someone who is feeling the pressures and the darkness in their family or their community, it's, it's tough, but I'm there for them. And to do something with it gets better. It, the word that just the, the name of it, it gets better because it does. I was in the throes of being bullied and having the worst time ever. And I was contemplating suicide. It was a real thing. So for me to be involved with an organization like it gets better is so important. And for me to just to be my authentic self and just to try to explain to them that this is only a moment. And I know when you're younger, those moments last so much longer. When you're older, those moments are so much more tiny. I just want to explain to them, give it a minute, give it a breath. It's going to go away in a few months or a year and you're going to be better. But you have to be cognizant that it's going to just get better. So it's very important for me to be a part of great things like that. It's also, I think, a lot of pressure and a heavy weight for you to carry to be someone that people find it to be an inspiration, you know, to be someone that people are looking up to. Is there anyone that you look up to? Do you have people that that you then can lean on so that you can keep doing the hard work? Uh, you know what? I don't think it's hard work. I think it's just work that we do, just being your authentic self and not editing yourself and not making yourself any other person than who you are. So there's no pressure for me. I look up to everyone who's out there who's just being their fantastic self. You know, RuPaul is probably the biggest visionary of our time as far as the LGBTQ community because she is not just introducing an art form, but she's also, they're also talking about very tough subjects. It's really great to watch the show because it's not only creative and it's catty and it's hilarious, but it's also artistic and beautiful and humanizing. And there are so many different types of humans out there and we all run under a different spectrum. And so to be very cognizant of that spectrum in your daily life is necessary. It is. It is. I can't think of a, a finer point 
to end on. David, this has just been, it's been so special. I have had you at the very top of our list since this podcast began. And I'm just so glad we could have you on, especially during Pride Month, to have this conversation. I know that uh, everyone listening is going to want to know where they can follow you on social media, how they can watch uh, My Lottery Dream Home. How can we get more, more, more David Bromstead? My social media, you can follow me on Bromco, B-R-O-M-C-O on Instagram, um, Twitter as well, same same handle, and Facebook, David Bromstead TV. Have fun. Have fun. Go nuts. And if you want to see the conversations that David had with our LGBTQ talent from HGTV and Discovery Plus, keep an eye out for those across HGTV's social media and network. David, I hope you come back again soon. Anytime, honey bun. Anytime. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this amazing episode of HGTV Obsessed. I want to give a huge thanks to David Bromstead, human unicorn, ray of sunshine, for sharing his journey and path to being his most authentic self. If you or anyone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts, help is available at suicidepreventionlifeline.org. You can look for these open pride conversations with Discovery Plus talent all across HGTV social accounts and on HGTV during the month of June. And you can head over to HGTV.com slash podcast to learn more about David and get a glimpse of his new rainbow tattoos. As usual, if you love today's episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts to rate and review HGTV Obsessed. Give us five stars and a glowing review. It means so much to me. Don't forget to follow HGTV Obsessed wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next Thursday. 